So, Meg, I know that you haven't noticed yet, but I'm going to make you notice. This week's episode is brought to you by my Dyson Airwrap. I'm still trying to get them to sponsor us because my hair just looks freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for most of people that are listening to this, Cyrus' hair looks very curly <laughs> and very voluptuous. I well, love using that word. Click on our YouTube channel and you can see exactly what the results of the Dyson Airwrap look like. You know what I'm saying? Like, this mm-hmm. looks like a blowout to me. Like, this is like blowout level quality, which is no, it's just really so pretty. not me. Right? So the wrap, is it that thing I keep seeing on TikTok where they like you wrap your hair around something? Yes. So it's like you like hold a it near your head. You hold no. it near your head and it the air is circulating in a circular motion. So it literally takes my hair and wraps it for me. Wow. Yeah, it's real cool. So speaking of people that are incredibly interesting and intelligent and also extremely beautiful by chance, let's talk about our guest this week interviewing the incredible Nicole Benham, who we had the opportunity to meet at Bitcoin 2021 last year. It was one of those moments where I was like, this Bitcoin 2021 is wasted on me because (laughs) we were given like media passes because we're media apparently. And we're led back into, you know, like stardom of this corner of like stardom of people that were very well dressed, that were very intelligent. I was very happy I had a cocktail in my hand because I was a little intimidated. But the conversation we had with Nicole, I think, went on for quite some time because she's one, a riot, two, brilliant, and three, just, you know, overall a homie. She's like one of our homies now, I feel. 100%. I feel like the influencer piece just kind of came naturally to her because she has done such an incredible job, like not only building her brand, but building all kinds of stuff for other people. So a little bit of background on Nicole. She is the founder and CEO of Beyond the Interview, which is her own media company, but she has done a wide array of different things within media and journalism, including working for places like the Los Angeles Business Journal, The Hollywood Reporter, Riot, New Media Group, and then obviously this company that she runs herself, which is the Beyond the Interview company. So long and lengthy background in journalism and just like a really cool force to be reckoned with because she also knows all the other major influencers in the space and has really built an interesting brand for herself, both from a marketing perspective and frankly, as a human being. So I am so pumped to share this interview with everyone. Megan, are you ready? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at H.M. Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by StockTwits. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no-shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. What's up, everyone? We are here today with the incredible Nicole Benham. Nicole, did I pronounce your name correctly? You did. I'm very impressed. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So, Nicole, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, finally. (laughs) I know, honestly. I think we met you, what, was it like a year and a half ago? No, it was like, like eight months ago or something. Does it feel like five years ago? Like, I feel like so much time has passed. I feel like time has passed, but I always had you guys in the back of my mind, so it still feels fresh. 
Oh, we love to hear that. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Nicole. Nicole, we're going to jump right into the questions. Every single woman that we interview, we believe is a heroine in their own regard. And I'm excited to get, you know, we know this story, but I'm excited for our listeners to hear it. What has been your heroine's journey thus far? When you say heroine's journey, it's just the story that I feel like brought me here that we're calling the heroine story, right? Okay, good. Because I thought maybe there was something specific that I was missing, but that's what I thought. Honestly, I think my journey has been finding people that I hold in a very high regard and then turning them into my mentors, friends, and collaborators. And that has changed my entire life. So for example, a while ago, I was in a, I was in a negotiation and I didn't want it to turn contentious. And I'm like, who's someone that can help me with this? And then I don't know if you've ever seen the masterclass commercial with Chris Voss. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The author of Never Split the Difference. So I remembered that commercial and I'm like, that's the guy I need to reach out to. And I've always been like that. I've reached out to like, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, I'm like, that's who I'm going to talk to. So I reached out. And before I reached out, I thought, what does this guy need for me? I always think about that. I never make an ask without making an offer first. So I reached out and I noticed that he had, you know, social media posts that weren't really reflective of who he was, like best selling author, you know, number one masterclass. And I messaged him and I was like, hey, I feel like you could use help with your social media because, you know, other authors' pages are like this. And I showed him like James Clear and, and Adam Grant and all these other authors. And then he's like, okay. And again, he didn't bite. So I know next time I noticed like a spelling error on one of his Instagram posts, I was like, did you do this on purpose? And he goes, you're not going to give up, are you? <laughs> and I go, and I go, no, but not because I want your money. And so he's like, okay, I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. We get on a call and we talk and, you know, I explained to him all the ways I can help him. And he goes, okay, and what is it that you want? And I was like, well, I'm in a negotiation right now and, and I, I'm sure I can't afford you. He's like, I don't know, something like 10000 an hour. And I was like, but I can help you with your social media in exchange. So we agreed two weeks of my social media help for his help with my negotiation. And I did his social media and everything went well and we kept in touch. And then I kept doing his social media because honestly, it was fun for me. Like, I, you know, I'm a copywriter, journalist, like it was fun interacting with him and, and creating the posts. Really nice guy. And then I got on an app called Clubhouse. And because I had that relationship, I told him, hey, why don't you come on this app? You know, it's becoming very popular and it's something we could try. And we did our first show. 6,500 people were there, including like most of the Andreessen Horowitz team. Grant Cardone came, you know, a bunch, Jared Leto was there wow. in the audience. It was like a huge thing. And he's like, wow, this is really cool. And we kept doing it. And so I grew with him. And then later, I always get advice from him. And finally, I was like, you're pretty much my mentor. And he's like, yeah, you could say that. And I literally name dropped him everywhere because for a while I felt like I wasn't getting the respect that I wanted because my background is like Hollywood and 
I just felt like people didn't take me seriously as like an entrepreneur a little bit as an interviewer. I'd get taken seriously because of the outlets I was working for, but not really as myself. And so once I had him, I felt really confident. And so I'd meet a ton of people on Clubhouse. I give Clubhouse a lot of credit because there were some really brilliant people on there that I met. And without that app during the pandemic, I wouldn't have met these people. So Eric Weinstein, another one. Naval Ravikant, another one. So I met Naval on Clubhouse and he has been such an influential figure in my life, especially when it comes to money. I don't know if you've heard him on Joe Rogan or if you've seen his tweets. I mean, the man is brilliant. And so I connected with him on Clubhouse and I started making room titles that I thought he'd notice and click on, which he did. And I knew his material very well. So we'd spend like hours just, you know, this, I guess this is moving. (laughs) (laughs) We'd spend hours and I'd, I'd just, you know, keep asking him questions about life and money and and happiness and, you know, different subjects that he touches on. So then I started hosting in real life events and I brought people like Naval and Chris Voss and Eric and, you know, Alex Benign and tons of people that were authors or thinkers. So yeah, I think my journey is better because of the people that are a part of it and the people that believed in me and gave me a chance. And I think when you have that, you're going to be exponentially more successful. So my heroine's journey was that and not doing anything alone. And also, I just want to pride you on this for a second. Like, I don't think you were ever intimidated that any of these people like had big names or anything like that. You're like, you have a skill. I have a skill. You're a human. I'm a human. Let's make a connection and let's be better together. Like, that's amazing. That's a really good point. I think knowing what you're good at and knowing what what you're worth and sticking by that And being really confident about it makes all the difference because whether people believe in you or not, if you just believe in yourself, they'll eventually believe in you. You know what I mean? It depends how confident you are. So that's a good point. So I love all of this. This is like, I've just heard so many cool names and I love that it was all your personal persistence that got you introductions across the board to so many people that I dream about meeting. I'm like manifesting through you right now. I hope I get to meet some of the same people. Uh, (laughs) So rad. So do you remember, like, would you say it was like the messages that you were sending out? Like, do you have an exact tipping point that like affected you that you would say like that was the moment that you realized things were going to accelerate? I think just having someone like Chris Voss by my side as things would happen was the tipping point because You know, anytime I had doubts, he'd be like, your success is inevitable. And when he would say that, I would write it down and like put it on my bathroom mirror and it would say dash Chris Voss. And I'm like, you know, in my head, it's like, oh, the FBI hostage negotiator who wrote this book, who every investor I know reads, an entrepreneur I know reads, is telling me this. So, Until I heard those words from people like him, there were so many doubts in my mind and I had more tenacity because one person said yes, one person believed in me and that was him. That resonates deeply with me because actually it was comical when I finally listened to his book. Like there's a lot of stuff that we do in trading derivatives, but like everything he talks about 
it came into like actual form in his book. So hopefully you listen to this interview because honestly, like he created something that I think is like cult like and so fascinating. But yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And the way that he talks about women, I want to stress that too, because I don't think all men and it, it could be a societal thing, hold women in the highest regard. And, you know, it's hard talking about it because it's just uncomfortable and I don't talk about it that much, but I'm very lucky that the men that I have found, you could tell by the way they talk about women, how they feel. And he always talks about the women who work with him and praises them. And I felt that immediately. And I felt like he held me in a high regard as well, equal to, you know, whatever he thought about men who were doing the same thing I'm doing. Yeah, we all need more men like that in our lives. Like I, you know, like I think Sai and I have great partners in our lives that like put us up on a pedestal and we need more people like that, like to just cheer you on. You mean like husbands? She has a husband. I have a boyfriend, but you know, we're trying to edge him into. I have neither. And as you try to manifest through me, I'm trying to manifest through (laughs) you. Girl, I am telling you, you need to fly here tonight. My good friend, Scott, he will be here. A manifestment for the both of you. Hmm. Nicole, you, you mentioned a little bit about your journalism background. And that's kind of like where you kind of came up in the ranks. I'm just curious, you know, we're talking about really what we're going to get into is kind of what is becoming the evolution of media, which I believe you're kind of spearheading this in your talks in, you know, Clubhouse and using that and using other platforms. So as you got started in journalism, and you looked at it, and you're like, fresh, you know, innovative, you're like, what? Some of this shit is so antiquated. Like, is there anything where you were like, Why is this still this way? Yeah. So I was like the red carpet girl for Hollywood Reporter. And at first it seemed really cool. Hang on. So what is a red carpet girl for the Hollywood Reporter? Like explain that to us. I was a writer, but I was doing interviews on red carpets for like Oscars, Golden Globes, movie premieres, charity functions, stuff like that. And I was sent out to interview celebrities, producers, notable figures, you know, people like that. And it seemed really cool. However, after a while, I noticed that I wasn't allowed to ask very deep questions. Like there were always publicists who would like lightly grab my arm and be like, hey, we're not talking about that. And it's like, I found it really hard to have conversations with people who weren't able to be fully open and honest because they were so concerned about what other people thought of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, what am I going to go there and talk about? After a while, it's like, what kinds of interviews did I want to be doing? And I realized, and we see this in podcasts, that's why podcasts do so well. I want to do interviews where people have significant insight and perspective. And you either get that from personal experience or field expertise. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you could talk to like a drug addict who quit cold turkey and, you know, went through rehab and turned their life around and started a family. And that person has, if not more expertise than the psychologist who evaluated them. And I realized that that's who I want to talk to because those kinds of people will change the world. Everyone has problems. Everyone's suffering through something. And I want to talk about people who have emerged after tough situations 
who can give insight and perspective to other people who are suffering in, in similar fashions. So I realized that very early. I think a lot of people can attest to, you know, you go to college, you get a degree, you have an idea of what the job's going to be. And then you actually go and do it. And they try to put you in a box. And you came from college where they're like, think outside of the box, do something different, push it, push it, push it. And then you're just put at the bottom of the totem pole. And you're told to behave in certain ways. And, you know, a lot of people just stay there and they're super unhappy. But I think more and more these days, we're starting to see people break out of those boxes and just try to do something different because they're sick of the bullshit. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think also for a while I I was, and look, it's good to be grateful for, you know, I was grateful for the jobs that I had, but I never thought beyond that for a while. I was like, okay, well, how do I get a promotion or a raise or something like that where it's like, okay, so what am I really, I'm going from 60,000 to 70,000. And then I'm watching my peers make so much more money and I never thought I could do something on my own and charge what I'm making now until, again, Chris Voss was the one who told me, he's like, look, you could raise your price and some people won't pay it, but you'll find one or two that do. And that'll make all the difference. And no one had ever talked to me like that. You know, people were always like, well, you know, Maybe you should say this to your boss or do No one ever made me feel like I could do something on my own, really. I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to do so many things. But yeah, what was the question? I feel like I went off on a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're having a conversation. I think it's it's totally righteous. I mean, what I'm going to say just to piggyback off what you're saying is like, You know, I grew up with my parents are both boomers and they said, hey, you get this job, you grind it, you stay at the same job for 30 years and that's what you do. And, you know, I was always the one to be like, but why? And they were like, Megan, please. And I'm like, but why? (laughs) You know, and it's hard and it's especially hard as women to try to be like, I deserve to be paid more. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel that on a deep level. I could go on about this all day, but oh, I, I, I could, digress. <laughs> I could go on and on. And that's that's why I, I do tell women, of course, it's so good to have your girlfriends. But I tell my friends, find a man who's going to support you and tell you how to think like them. Because I don't think we've been trained that way. No, I'm seriously. Like, I think society feeds women scarcity mentality. Like, not enough men, not enough jobs be catty, be jealous. Like that's what I've seen. And I hate saying that. And I hate even admitting that I was ever a part of that, but I wanted to think and operate the way a man did in business. So I had to surround myself with those kinds of people. One of my partners in our metaverse marketing agency is this guy, Rembrandt Flores, who was like one of the biggest events and PR people in Los Angeles in the Hollywood world. And I remember before we even started working together, I told him about an opportunity where someone was offering me $5,000 a month to be an advisor to their NFT project. And I was so excited. And you know what he said to me? He goes, $5,000 a month? He's like, you're huge. You should be getting paid $25,000 a month for something like that. Oh, I love that. And you know what he said? He goes, put me in touch with them. I want to talk to them. And you know what he did? He raised it to 25000 
And I didn't know how to do that for myself on my own. And he told me, you know why you don't have the things that you want? And I said, why? And he goes, because you don't believe that you deserve it. And I was just like, my God, maybe I don't. And maybe all of us don't. And I think, you know, men come with a different attitude. So, yeah, I mean, it's things like this that, and I don't go on podcasts a lot. This is, I'm just starting to realize that I should. So I'm like so excited that I'm doing this with you guys, but I never talk about stuff like this openly. And I'm just starting to, and I think everyone can relate. Like Megan, everything that you said about your parents, like I relate to you so much because my mom, ever since I was young, wanted me to be a pharmacist. She's like, it's such a good job. You can get pregnant and go back after you've delivered the baby. Like, you know, that's how she was thinking. And my dad was like, maybe you should be a paralegal. Like, that's what they thought. And now they regret saying that to me, but our parents don't know better. So it's so cool that we're able to all carve our own paths now. And there is no single way. God, I have so many shivers that have gone down my spine in the last five minutes from things that you have said. <laughs> but like, it's so true, right? Like my parents were so disappointed in me when I left my very first job, which was a very high paying career in derivatives to be like, you know what, I want to try this and I'm going to try that. And like, why can't we do that? Right. Because my parents stuck with the same companies for 30 plus years. And then, gosh, when you're like, think like a man. I'm in the midst of like negotiating a bunch of stuff for some of the things Megan and I are working on. And it it is like, it just really resonated with me because I continuously think that I undervalue my time and and that that is the problem. But we should be thinking that way more. Like I, gosh, there's so many things just now that I could just extract from all of that. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. So next question. This one goes back into your media roots. I'm curious do you think that media is evolving? And if so, what do you think is on the horizon in the world of media? So I think when I think of media or mainstream media right now, I think of politics because I feel like that's what gets the most, either politics or celebrity junk. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not always junk. I love profiles of celebrities, like in-depth pieces. To me, that's not junk, but I'm talking about the TMZ stuff when I say junk. So the politics, highly divisive. People are starting to trust journalists less and less because everything is so politicized and every network has their own agenda and they bring on guests based on you know who's going to sort of fluff their agenda and all of that. But I think people really want the truth and they feel misled. So journalism isn't what it was. And people are starting to trust podcasters because look at the way you guys are sitting here with me. I don't think there's any agenda other than to learn and have a conversation. That's the vibe that I get, which is so much more. You're able to trust that so much more than you're looking at Fox News or CNN, which clearly is either on the right or the left. And they bring on guests to amplify the messages that they want to put out there. So I think media is changing in that you see the numbers shifting. People are listening to more podcasts than actual networks. Now we have mobile, so people aren't looking at TVs the way that they used to. You still do sometimes, but it's not the same. 
So when you say when you say people aren't looking at TVs the same way, this is something that we started talking about at the company that I work for, HM Bradley at least. Do you think that people are going to start marketing in like places like the metaverse? Have you started experimenting with that at all? Like what's your experience in crypto with that? I mean, I definitely think that that's I don't feel like people are marketing in the metaverse yet. I think people are marketing the metaverse to get people to move over. I think there's still a barrier in terms of education and you sometimes have to have like a technical understanding if you're going to move over into that arena. Not always, but think that crypto and specifically NFTs, which is where I work, I think they're being used to not just authenticate ownership, but to give creatives financial freedom, which changes the game for everyone. And people are thinking of, of new ways to move over to Web3 and start, you know, media companies in Web3. I know I have a friend, Farouk, who started something called Rug Radio, which is a thing. You know, he, he put out a drop for NFTs and he sold out. And then now they have a token and, you know, everyone's hosting on the platform and it's a Web3 media company. And we don't know what that's going to look like in five, 10 years, but we're hoping that the model is different than than what it's been. So there's that. Nicole, what I hear you saying, and then totally correct me if I'm totally off base. It's like media's heading into this intersection of self-expression, like from creatives, and then a non-prescribed platform. And I don't know what that looks like. Is that like, is that it? Something there? I think that's what it's moving towards. I also notice in tech, there are things happening because a lot of the very, very smart people are very against censorship. And for example, Peter Thiel, I found out about this like the day before through something called Hereticon, where he had speakers who have been censored on traditional media come and speak at a conference. And everyone flew in there and they were subjects that would otherwise be censored on Twitter Twitter is a form of media too. Social media is media now, by the way. You know, I forgot to move that in there, but um, he had guests that otherwise would have been censored on almost every platform. And so many people flew in to listen to them talk about their ideas that would probably fall pretty controversial. I totally hear it. It's like icons that have been banned essentially from speaking on most platforms for whatever reason, because it doesn't necessarily align with with the CEO's vision. Some people might be like, this is a conspiracy theory, but then it might be true. And I'm not saying Alex Jones is someone we should be listening to. I'm just saying that people want to know everything. They want to know what, what other people think the future is going to look like. And so, you know, we saw it with Peter Corey and Brett Weinstein when they came and talked about ivermectin. And people got so upset and they started calling it horse dewormer, which I personally took it when I had COVID and I was fine and I think it worked. So, you know, it's, it's a controversial thing, but the news spins things one way and there's a reality that's actually true. And sometimes people don't want to talk about that. So everything is becoming politicized and people are sick of it. You know, it's something that my parents taught me growing up, right? It's like you have to be able to make well-informed decisions 
but a lot of people don't like listening to both sides of the story. And sometimes you have to hear both sides of the story in order to make like a real educated decision. So it's so interesting to hear you say that because I, some people I'm like allergic to, some people I'm actually willing to listen to, but it's tough to sort through things these days if you don't listen to everyone anymore, though. Like, if I don't hear what both sides of the story, I usually tend to be biased and not necessarily have an opinion that's rooted in, in facts. So I do love hearing that. Pivoting just a little bit, I'm super curious what you've done in terms of, like, financing a media company. Like, have you worked with investors? Are you venture-backed? Like, what's been that experience for you in terms of creating your own company? So no investors, not venture-backed, but it wasn't a media company. I didn't even call it that. It was originally supposed to be an online magazine. And if you go to the website, that is what it was. But only when I started getting big on social audio platforms like Clubhouse and Twitter did I really pivot into being a media company. And the way I would make money was... I would have sponsors sponsor my talks, my rooms, my spaces. So let's say I had the FBI negotiation tactics room with Chris Voss. A CPG company would come in and you know sit on this stage with the company logo, and then it connected to their Instagram, connected to their Twitter. We would do like giveaways every like half hour or something. And so the same way that a podcast makes money off sponsors, the way you do, I started making money on social audio platforms doing that. And so that's really been the way. And then when I started doing IRL events, I would get sponsors for those. So the events that people see with with people like Naval Ravikant, or I had a crypto event that had like a ton of crypto influencers there that was sponsored by NFT Guild and Creators XYZ. So I make money off sponsorships mostly, which is how, you know, a lot of media companies make money off advertisers. But I certainly wasn't making this kind of money for a very long time. And I started calling it a media company when my friend, who unfortunately he's, he passed away, but he told me, you know, originally the name was at beyond the interview and that's what it is on Instagram. And he goes, you should just call it Beyond Media. You're basically a media company. He's like, it just sounds better. And I started calling it that. And so that's what it is. And what a great name. I love Beyond the Interview. I think it encapsulates a lot of the things that you told us at the onset of this convo, which is, I don't want to be told what questions I can or cannot ask. I'm just trying to get to the real conversation and the real person. Because that's the kind of media people need these days. They just need like... This is the real, real of it. And sometimes it's not pretty. It's not sweet, but it is what it is. You know, take it or leave it. Yeah. And I think giving people room to be vulnerable and share the things that have pained them and how they overcome them is the most powerful thing in the world. And I don't mean it in like a, let's give people a safe space. Like, I don't mean it in that way because, you know, I'm totally with that and I agree, but I, I mean it in a way that it's so empowering to even tell your story and share everything that you've been through and how you've overcome and emerged from it because then other people can draw strength from your story. So many things that I'm extracting from all of this. I love hearing that. Super cool to hear the evolution of what you're working on too, Nicole. So if you were to give advice to other people 
about taking their side hustle or like turning something into their full-time job, what advice would you give them? So number one thing, I'd say find someone who's doing what you want to be doing or that has a company that's relatively similar and literally take notes, listen to podcasts that they've been on and even reach out to them and find a way that you can be useful to them. We talked about this in the beginning, but if you don't come with your handout, people are much more likely to be receptive because how many people come to you and ask for favors? That's almost everybody. But if you are able to help in any way, and we all are, we just, we don't think about it. You have your skills, Megan, you have your skills, like, and they're different. They're different skill sets. You could probably help me with something very different than what Chris Voss can help me with, what Naval can help me with. And, and that's a beautiful thing. So really try to put yourself in the sphere with the right people and ask questions, ask questions, you know, even from investors, what are you looking, if you're trying to raise money, what are you looking for? You know, go ask people to look at their decks if they've already raised money. You know, what did that look like? So stuff like that is probably the most helpful. Yeah, you're finding your your new family, essentially, like the family of people to lift you up and put you on that pedestal. Yeah, yeah. Forward. And another thing, you know, because your social life affects the way that you operate on a day to day basis. Also, if there are people in your life that are constantly draining you or making you feel bad in any way, you have to put up boundaries and you know, slowly phase them out. I hate saying that, but I've talked to so many people who have kept, whether it's family members or friends in their lives that they felt highly indebted to, and, you know, people pleasing is a real thing. It's like a lot of people spend their time catering to others when they could be focusing on themselves and what they're building. So if there are people in your life that are making you feel like your attention is going to them too much, that's not healthy. So reconsider your your social atmosphere. Nicole, I love that advice. And I think, you know, that's a great way just to kind of wrap it up. But before we do that, I want to make sure to give our listeners a chance to reach out to you directly if they want to get advice or they want to mirror your career. So where can people find you? Okay. So on Twitter, I'm at Nicole Benham. Will you have it written down? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. On Instagram, I'm at N-I-C-C-C-B. That's three C's. And what other platforms do people use, guys? TikTok, I'm at Ask Nick. I used to give a lot of advice on TikTok. I'll probably go back there at some point. And on LinkedIn, it's just my name. (laughs) So (laughs) you can find me there. And my DMs are always open. Like I look through my messages. If I have time, I get back to them. You know, I love meeting people. I love connecting with people. Well, it's been so amazing to connect with you again. I know this will be such a fruitful conversation for people to listen to and learn from and just get inspired to, you know, take that side hustle and just flipping do it, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So, Megan, what did you think now that we have interviewed the woman the myth and the legend. You know, I had this idea for an interview like this at the onset of season two, which I was, I think I texted you because I was at the airport and I said, hey, 
we should talk about the evolution of media. And you're like, why? And I'm like, okay, stay with me. There's parking spaces dedicated to newscasters at the airport drop-off. I'm like, do you think that'll ever change? Do you think that'll be like influencers will be sitting there now? They'll be like right on, you know, this is the media that's putting things forward and the evolution of it. Anyway, I love talking to her about it. I love her because she is so human and brings a human aspect to media that we all desperately need right now. Because so much stuff is politicized. So much stuff is filtered to us. You know, you just kind of want to get all sides and you want to hear everything and then establish your own opinion. So obviously, I'm very excited that we had this conversation with Nicole. And I hope we continue our relationship with her because I think, you know, she's onward and upward from here when it comes to media. Yeah, there were so many things she said that were inspirational and are making me rethink things per usual. So I'm going to go take my little notebook and meditate on some of the stuff she said. All right, I'll ohm right alongside with you then. Mm. Ohm it up. Ohm it up. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds. (laughs) 